Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 716th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your local food revolution. Happy New Year! Greg Peterson coming to you from our new home, and this has been perhaps the most exciting year of my life. I uprooted myself and moved from Phoenix, Arizona, where I lived for 54 years, to Asheville, North Carolina. The fruit growing scene here is a bit mind-blowing, and I am learning so much about growing in a different climate. I even found a fruit tree program here that I'm going to volunteer with. I've been reviewing our past podcasts over the last month and listened the other day to what we call the 000 or Introduction Podcast from September 2015. It's amazing to me how well it weathered the past seven years over 700 episodes, and almost 4 million listens. So I am including that podcast in its entirety today. One year ago today, I was on the fruit tree nursery lot in Phoenix pruning trees for our annual fruit tree nursery program. And today I am sitting in my office looking out over two acres of forest in my backyard in Asheville. As we were moving, I was pondering the past, the present, and the future of the urban farm and created the past and present episodes for the podcast and stalled on the future episode once I got here. Why? There is so much to take in. New climate, new environment, new growing rules, a new piece of land, zero edible landscape except what grows wild, and I am finding there is a lot to forage. Learning what I can eat is the trick. I have said for many decades that you need to spend at least a year on a property before you make any major changes. And I got that in my head as a thought process. But when it really hit me, I truly got the magnitude of the statement. I've been pondering, learning, and talking to people who know this area, and there is so much to take in. For the businesses, Urban Farm Nursery, Urban Farm U, and the Great American Seed Up, nothing changes. I will still visit Phoenix for our annual fruit trees and seed up programs. As for what I will be doing here, that is still up in the air. Being a lifelong entrepreneur, the most exciting times for me have always been the in-between times, those moments and months when I am transitioning from one project to creating a new one. And while I am not transitioning out of anything except Phoenix, 
The opportunities here are incredible. Next month, I am meeting with Chris Smith from the Utopian Seed Project, who manages a large greenhouse literally across the street from my house at the Southern Appalachian Highlands Conservancy's Community Farm. Imagine my surprise when I found a 150-acre community farm across the street. I was jumping for joy. Then I met this amazing young woman named Samara, who makes elderberry products. Look for her on the podcast later this year. She and I are chatting about growing elderberries for her business. To start this process, I purchased 50 Adams elderberry sticks from local permaculturist Joe Bass, and per his instructions, I put them in a pail of water, and voila, they are sending out roots. That was just too easy. Then there was the local fruit tree program I found that runs a bare root pop-up nursery like I do in Phoenix. I talked to Emma and Lucas of plantsforeveryone.com, volunteered to help them at their nursery in March, and placed an order for service berries, blueberries, pecans, and asparagus. And I am sure there will be more while I am volunteering. As you might guess, I am up to a lot and have not yet made any definitive plans. What comes next, we shall see. I do know that our space, four acres west of Asheville, two and a half acres of rolling hills, which could be orchards, and one and a half acres of forest, presents a myriad of possibilities. And unlike Phoenix, things just grow here. So we shall see over the next few years what seeds get planted and nurtured and what will grow. In the meantime, enjoy my first podcast episode from November 2015 and many of the others that we have released since. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. My name is Peyton, and I'm the podcast production supervisor here at The Urban Farm, and I'm here with Greg Peterson, your host and the owner of The Urban Farm in Phoenix, Arizona. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm great, and it's great to have you here. Thanks. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I have to say I'm psyched to be launching this podcast, and I'm excited for all we have in store for everyone tuning in. Greg, before we talk about what listeners can expect in the coming weeks, would you tell us a little about yourself and what inspired you to start this podcast? Absolutely. So... I really feel like I was born with this task in mind because in 1974 I was in the eighth grade ish and I had to write a paper for my science class and I wrote a paper on how we were overfishing the oceans. How on earth an eighth grader knows that I don't know to this day. But I knew back then that there was something inherently wrong with how we were living on the planet and how we were eating on the planet. And I, you know, some pretty big seeds were planted back then. Then in 1981 I designed on paper a sustainable fish farm and because it never made sense to me I, I was playing with aquaculture back then that's what fish farming is called it's called aquaculture I was playing with fish farming back then and looking at fish farms that would raise fish they would clean the fish and they would throw away the stuff that was left over which would make great fertilizer you know there's whole bunches of stuff that could be done with that so what I did is I I took that the concept of sustainable back then I don't even know if it was called that back then I took this this concept of sustainable and I wrapped that waste back around into the system because 
basically I turned the fish waste into fertilizer for fertilizing. I think we were doing corn in this model or whatever it was. So uh, that was in 1981. I was really thinking of deeply about that. Fast forward 10 years, I actually spent some time in technology. I uh, ran a Macintosh computer company for 20 years. And in 1991, a couple of major things happened for me. I discovered permaculture, and I did a 72-hour permaculture design course that year, and I, and I discovered a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. I'll be talking about that probably a fair amount uh, in the coming episodes. Ishmael's a conversation between a gorilla and a man, and the gorilla is the teacher. It's a really fascinating work of fiction. If you haven't read it, go read it. Then in 2001, when I, I had returned back to Arizona State University to get my degree, and I had to write a mission and vision for my life in one of the classes. And in writing that mission and vision, what I discovered is what I was already doing what I wanted to do, and that's show people how to do what we're doing here at the Urban Farm. So in 2001, the Urban Farm was created. The Urban Farm, I like to call an environmental showcase home. There's a lot going on here, and what I do is I open it up periodically for classes and tours so that people can come in and see these different concepts in action and then hopefully take them with them and do something about them. It is so inspiring to see what you've done here. And for listeners who haven't been here to the Urban Farm to see what you've done, could you paint a picture for them of what there is here? Absolutely. The Urban Farm is in north central Phoenix. It's right in the middle of the city. If you stood up on the roof here at the Urban Farm and looked around 50 miles in every direction, you'd see city if you could see that far. So that, that kind of gives you a picture of where we're at. I'm about four miles north of downtown Phoenix in a neighborhood that was built in the 1940s. My house was built in 1949, and it is on a flood irrigated property. Basically, what that means is that this used to be a citrus orchard in the 1920s and 30s, and how they watered it was with ditch water. So basically, the, the yard gets six inches of water 20 times a year. That's part of how the property gets watered here is through this ditch water or this flood water. The property itself is 80 feet wide and 160 feet deep, so it's about 14,000 square feet-ish. And what I've done over the past 26 years is I've created the space into what I call an edible landscaping. So everything is edible or it supports edible. So what that looks like is I've got somewhere around 80 fruit trees on the property. I've got rainwater and gray water harvesting. There's three different kinds of solar panels on the roof and edible gardens everywhere. Plus we have a pretty good contingence of chickens that live in the, the back part of the property that, uh, you know, they take care of bugs and weeds and so on like that. It really is like an oasis in the midst of the concrete jungle being here with you right now. Thanks. So Greg, our podcast is called the Urban Farm Podcast. You're the owner of the Urban Farm and you're an urban farmer, but what exactly is an urban farmer? That is a great question. And it's one that I really, I push every day. You know, I'm really out to create 10,000 urban farms here in Phoenix. And the reason I do that, so there's the reasons behind why I do that and what is an urban farmer. So here's a quick quiz for you listeners out there, as you're listening, how many people are growing their own food? You either want to grow your own food or you're growing your own food. And kind of take note of that. And how many people share that food with somebody? So if you share that food with somebody, you can, some people sell it. You know, generally they think that farmers sell their stuff. Well, farmers can also grow it and share it. My contention is, is that if you're growing food and sharing it, even with your family, you're an urban farmer. So claim that. 
you grow food, you share it, and then the third part of that is you always want to name your urban farm. Because naming your urban farm creates name recognition, it creates sizzle in the community as well. I'll tell you, when I do a tour, I always ask, hey, how many urban farmers do I have out there? And people are learning this now. Ten years ago, when I first asked this question, you know, I'd get nobody that would show up and claim to be an urban farmer. Now I'll get five or 10 or 15 people on a tour that raise their hands. And then what I'll do is I'll say, okay, what's your urban farm name? And there are some great names out there. First of all, you know, it's a pretty generic, the urban farm, but people here in Phoenix know the urban farm. And they know there's this place in North Central Phoenix that's called the urban farm where Greg grows food and he shares people, shares with people how to grow their own food stuff, right? Well, there's Jack's Beanstalk. There's Wish We Had Acres. That's a great fun name. My friends Laura and David, they, that's their farm name. And they have a quarter acre. Kind of a wish for more acres, right? Wish We Had Acres, there's Two Fat Cats Apartment Garden. What it does is it brings levity to the space. It brings levity to the conversation and, and it be, makes it more memorable. So that's being an urban farmer. Now, why do I do what I do? So a big piece of why I do what I do. Remember I talked about seventh grade and having this sense 40 years ago that there was something inherently wrong. Well, I still think that there's something inherently wrong with what we're doing here and how we're doing food on the planet. And we have this absolutely amazing food system set up in this country that delivers meals to 330 million people every day, right? Right. It's, it's the food system and the way that it's set up. And on one hand, it's amazing. On another hand, it's got many problems. And one of the problems is it's delivering food that's not so nutritious. And we'll talk about that in future episodes and people will be able to discover that. But it's also somewhat tenuous in its ability to deliver. If we have a storm or a powder outage or something happens and food stops coming into really any metropolitan area, we have about a three-day supply of food. And I actually say we have a three-hour supply of food because once people get wind that the food's there's a disruption in the food supply, the food's going to disappear off the shelves, right? Right. So I really encourage people to you know, plant their front and backyards, grow their own food, so that, hey, if something happens, then we have food growing in our yards. There's food available for us to eat. And guess what? If nothing happens, which is what I'm gunning for, if nothing happens, then we have food growing everywhere. We have food growing in our yards. So either way, we win. It's an absolute win-win situation for for our communities, for our families, when we actually get out there and grow our own food. It really is, Greg. So earlier you mentioned the word permaculture. What does that mean and why is that important? My definition for permaculture is the art and science of working with nature. You know, us human beings, we're kind of weird. We think we know how to do it better than nature. So we've created these systems on the planet that we think work better than what mother nature has working. And what we're finding is that that's not the case. So what permaculture does is permaculture takes a look at how nature works and it replicates and builds on those systems. So again, the art and science of working with nature. There's several, a myriad of books out there, permaculture, designer's manual, there's the introduction to permaculture. A good friend of mine, Toby Hemingway, wrote Gaia's Garden. And these all talk about how to implement permaculture in your space. And one of, the, one of the significant things about permaculture is permaculture is not a thing to do, although we do things in permaculture. It's a different way of thinking. It's a, di- a shift in our paradigm, shift in how we think about how we live on the planet. And then it becomes a design methodology. So in designing our systems around the house, what we do is 
especially here at the Urban Farm, what I do is I, I think through an entire process and then I implement it. So we think through an entire process and then we implement it. So let's take chickens, for example. And chickens fall under a, a really cool category for me called stacking functions. In permaculture, we play with stacking functions as often as we can. And basically what stacking functions means is that we use a resource as many times as we can. I love my chickens in the backyard. Chickens are, are great workers. And in permaculture, we have something called a permaculture chicken. So what we do when we're looking at a chicken, we look at the different uh, resources that it brings to the table. So what do you think a chicken could do in my backyard? They could eat bugs. They could eat bugs, right? They could eat weeds. They leave manure behind, right? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And our hens, we don't eat our hens. Our hens here, what do they give us every day? Oh, eggs. Eggs, of course. Right. We have this chicken, and it's giving us four different services in our yard, essentially. Plus, my sweetie Heidi loves the chickens, so she gets a lot of entertainment around them. In permaculture, what we do is we look at different resources, in this case, the chicken, and we make the best use of it. So a non-permaculture chicken, or what we in permaculture called an industrial chicken, is pretty much good for meat and eggs. And they're raised in a particular way. Well, my chickens live wild, essentially wild in the backyard. They get, they get free run of about 8,000 square feet in the back part of the property. And they eat the bugs, they eat the weeds, they do their work, and they give us eggs every day. So that, you know, they're happy chickens. They're permaculture chickens. Another concept in permaculture is what we call stacking functions. And in stacking functions, it's really making most use. And, and the permaculture chicken is really stacking. You know, that we use that concept in stacking functions in the permaculture chicken. But also applying stacking functions in your life. When you go out for a drive to get some things done, you don't go to the pet food store and then home, and then the grocery store and then home, and then the dry cleaners and then home, do you? No. No, of course not. You go to the pet food store, then you go to the the grocery store, and then you go to the dry cleaners, and then you go home. And that's actually something in transportation planning, so in city planning, in transportation planning, that's called trip stacking. We can take these permaculture concepts and stack them and use them in many places in our life. In fact, we're sitting in my office here at the Urban Farm, right? The office slash studio. And I've been working out of my house now for 15 years. 15 years ago, I had an office off-site here at the Urban Farm that I'd have to get up and go to in the morning, and I'd sit there and I'd work. And then I'd come home, and I was paying for the office, right? So I looked at this space here at the Urban Farm 15 years ago, and it's like, wow, you know what? This little space would make a great office. So I spent 1500 bucks back then and shifted it into this really cool space that we're sitting in now. So now in the mornings, this is a permaculture process for me. In the morning, what I do is I get up, I go out and feed the chickens. I, you know, do any little yard work that I'm doing. And then I come in to the office and I work for a little while. And then, I'll, you know, halfway during the day or part of the way during in the day, I'll, you know, I'll go out and I'll feed the chickens again or do some pruning or I'll get up and move around in the space of the urban farm and then I come back and work. So it, what I've done with my office and my work is I've integrated it into the flow. And in big part, that's what permaculture is all about. Permaculture is about integrating life processes into the flow of our life so that we're working in the flow of nature rather than against nature. So that's what permaculture is to me and so much more. And the interesting thing about permaculture is everybody that does a permaculture design course has a different definition. So there you go, permaculture in a nutshell. Amazing. By the way, that is a great book, permaculture in a nutshell. 
Well, it certainly sounds like permaculture is something that everybody can learn from, not just farmers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, so can listeners expect to learn more about permaculture and growing techniques in our podcast? Absolutely. Every podcast will feature guests with valuable experiences that can help listeners understand effective techniques to grow herbs, vegetables, fruits, and livestock in urban areas. We'll talk about how to handle common challenges growers face and helpful tips to make sure you're building healthy soil. Rock on. Which is a really, really big one. Yeah, especially since the word agriculture itself is really all about enriching the soil, soil culture, taking care of the soil. Oh, yeah, look at that. Absolutely. I learned that in the movie Inhabit, which is a wonderful film you should check out. Yeah, exactly. That talks about permaculture a lot. So will all of the guests on the show be farmers? Absolutely not. We'll have farmers, we'll have authors, business leaders, advocates, change makers on the show to explore various facets of urban farming, including the economic, social, environmental aspects of it, plus how urban farming influence emotional, spiritual, and physical health of those involved. Um, Each week, we're gonna include different topics. So what we've done is Peyton and I have kind of brainstormed and we've come up with these different topics that we're gonna kind of cover generally you know, on a weekly basis. So what are some of those topics that we're going to be talking about, Greg? One really important one is, you know, let's get down to growing. It's growing techniques, where we're going to share valuable techniques and theories and ways to grow food that are effective and efficient, such as sheet mulching. Sheet mulching is this crazy, incredible way to build incredible soil. And it's a permaculture concept where we take layers of organic material and layer it and then plant right in it. It's also called, interestingly enough, it's called lasagna gardening. So we'll have guests on to talk about what these, you know, some different techniques and how they do it and like that. Then there's the wild card day. I'm excited for our wild card day because that's a day where we could surprise you with anything. Yeah, just about anything. So that could be anything that has to do with the food system and how our food's distributed, how we get our food, how it ends up on our plates. It's a wild card, so I don't know that I can say a whole lot more about it. Yeah, you name it, it can happen that day. So make sure you tune in on those days for sure. There you go. Then we'll have a permaculture concept day where we cover a different concept in permaculture. We'll bring in a guest who knows a particular thing about permaculture and we'll take a look at what they're doing and how they're doing it and have them explain just exactly how you can do this for yourself. And then one of my favorite topics, um, and we've actually been doing this in our newsletter for almost two years now, is we're gonna talk to featured farmers. Uh, So the Urban Farm Lifestyle Newsletter, as it currently sits, once a month we put out a featured farmer. So we we find a farmer somewhere on the planet and we interview them and their information gets you know, posted in our newsletter. Well, we're going to bring that to life in voice. So, you know, we could have farmers from Australia. Actually, I think we already had a featured farmer from Australia. We need to get her on, on the show. But so featured farmers, you know, people just like you and me that are out there doing this incredible work that are building farms in neighborhoods to, to feed ourselves. I love that so much that there are farmers all over the world and everybody has their own unique tip or trick to share. They've all had challenges and successes and overcoming their challenges and I'm sure there's a lot for us to learn from those guests. Yeah and you know what we're going to talk about all of that so we'll have questions for these featured farmers that ask them you know what have you been your greatest successes and what have you learned from your biggest failures so things like that so we're going to include all of that in the featured farmer section. Awesome so what's our final Uh, our final topic this is a good one. This is a good one this is called So You Wrote It. And then we're going to be bringing in authors, anybody that wrote anything about 
permaculture, the food system, sustainable food, sustainable culture, regenerative design. That's a term that we haven't talked about yet, but we're going to talk about that more. We're going to bring in authors and we're going to interview them about their books and how they were inspired to do their books and teach us some of the stuff from those books. We can learn so much from books and I'm sure having the authors here, they'll have just such a wealth of knowledge to share that may not even be contained in those books. So that'll be fantastic. That is the cool thing. Absolutely. Well, awesome. It sounds like there's a great landscape of topics that are so diverse that we're going to talk about. So I'm excited for that. And it's amazing how far-reaching the impacts of urban farming are. Gardening and farming have been shown to provide a lot of health benefits and can also serve powerful roles in building communities and ensuring local food security. What benefits have you personally experienced from urban farming, Greg? Well, the big thing is fresh food. I'll tell you what, I can't eat a peach that I buy from the grocery store anymore. It just can't do it. I have, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 peach trees growing here on the property. So in May and June every year, I have fresh peaches that are falling off in my hands that I just, you know, that you, when you bite into them, they splash down the front of your shirt because they're so juicy and they're so full of flavor. So, you know, one of the biggest benefits is fresh, healthy food. Um, another big benefit is that it brings community together in such an awesome, incredible way because when you have a party at your house, where do people normally end up at? In the kitchen. In the kitchen, that's right. So food brings people together and that's, you know, that's really what we're after here in the Urban Farming Podcast is to bring people together in community and to learn how to grow their own food in the neighborhoods. That's fantastic, Greg, and I'm sure our listeners can relate to some of that too. Speaking of our listeners, let's share with everybody what they can expect from the Urban Farm Podcast. Absolutely. It's pretty simple, actually. We'll interview somebody new for every podcast on the different topics. Some of the interviewees might come in for a couple of topics. So if we had an had a experienced permaculturist that wrote a book, we might bring them in as a permaculture topic and an author. So you might hear from them twice, and all of them will be inspiring. All of this is designed to really teach people and inspire people how to create sustainable and what we call in permaculture regenerative systems in their yard and in their life. That's really what we're going to be digging into. That's so exciting and you're so clearly passionate about it. You've also launched a project called Urban Farm U that you're very excited about. Tell us about that, Greg. Absolutely. I'm a teacher. I teach at Arizona State University and I teach in the public. I bring people here into the front yard regularly on Saturdays in the spring and fall. I teach at farmers markets here in the valley and a while back I discovered this whole online thing and I got together with some friends of mine, um, some of which you will hear from at Urban Farm U and we created this plan five years ago to actually take our curriculum and share it more widely, put it on the internet, teach it as online classes. So last October we launched our first class called Urban Farming 101. Now on a really good day, if I get in front of 20 or 30 people, I'm doing a really, really great job. My first webinar for Urban Farming 101 on October 2nd of last year, we had over 2,100 people signed up for the webinar and over 500 people attend the webinar live. I knew that is incredible. And I knew that it was such an incredible way to reach more people. So now what we do at Urban Farm U is we offer free webinars every month, usually two or three of them. And we follow them up with what we call our signature courses. And our signature courses are Jumpstart Your Urban Farm. That's one that I teach. 
There's a signature course called Growing Food the Basics. That's a seven-week online class taught by Kari Spencer and myself. And that really covers all of the basics of how to grow your own food. Then my friends Bill and Bell, those are two of the people I mentioned earlier that we got together with five years ago, and they teach Seed School Online. So they have a seven-week online Seed School course that teaches you everything you need to know about growing and saving seeds. My other friend who was at that meeting five years ago is Toby Hemingway. He wrote Gaia's Garden, and he's come out with a new book called The Permaculture City, and he will be giving a course called The Permaculture City starting pretty soon at Urban Farm U. Then we have more courses coming up, one called Aquaponics. We've got one coming up on Backyard Livestock. The possibilities are endless about the courses that we'll be giving. The cool thing is, is that we start them off with one or two free webinars where you can actually come and learn for free. And what you can take away from these free webinars, you'll actually learn and you'll be able to go out and do something with. It sounds like there's really no way to lose from, from those type of courses, that we can get so much from them. I mean, you have Urban Farm U going on, you give tours here, we have this podcast starting up. I'm excited for all that's going on. Thanks, there's so much here. There's so much here, so much value. And I'm deeply committed, me and all of us here at Urban Farm U and at the Urban Farm, we're deeply committed to you getting a lot out of what we teach. So we power pack them with content that you can do something with. So I'm deeply dedicated to teaching. And you've inspired so many people, so thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. Well, Greg, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we send them off? Yeah, so the bottom line for me is you got to learn. I've got to learn. I'm in this never-ending loop of learning something new and learning something new and learning something new. I'm always in one or two classes. Often they're online. So I'm, I'm really taking advantage of this online learning platform and to learn new ways to deliver what we're delivering to you, new ways to garden. And so for me, the bottom line is you go out and learn, go out and take a class. You know, if it's not with me, go to your local botanical gardens or somewhere, but go take a class, learn. And then here's the cool part. Once you learn it, teach somebody else, because that's how we get to learn it at a deeper level. So, you know, really that's it. Keep learning, keep teaching. This is what's going to change the world. What a great way to wrap up, Greg. Well, For everybody out there, whether you're a beginner looking to start a garden or you've been doing this for years, we'll be your partner in the Grow Your Own Food movement, helping make sure you have all the knowledge you need to be successful wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Until next time, have a farmtastic day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, Hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago. Then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. 
Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.